doing the mic right now. I'm going to, first I'm going to pray. Father, I just pray right now over this service, this time. This very special time. When we come together and we follow the instruction that was given unto us. And Paul said in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians verse 1, Pattern yourselves after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. And he goes on to say, I appreciate and commend you because you always remember me in everything and keep firm possession of the traditions, the substance of my instructions, just as I have verbally passed them on to you. And so let's go on down and he into verse 25 and he said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had, when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man thoroughly examine himself, and only when he has done so should he eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body, eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of you are weak and sickly and quite, quite enough of you have fallen into sleep of death. For if we certainly examine ourselves, detecting our shortcomings and recognizing our own condition, we should not be judged and penalty degreed by divine judgment. So right now we're going to head and take the, the bread. And I always look at it. I always look at it and break it. I, would get a, I usually get a piece big enough to where I can break it. Because I remember when I break it that his body was broken for me. And so take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So Lord Jesus, as we take this bread, we look at the stripes and we see the bruises. This is unleavened bread and we, we, we know what you bore in your body for us. It was broken for us. All sin, sickness, and disease was placed upon your, bo your, your, your body at the time on the cross. You took it. You seized it. And so we put ourselves in remembrance of you this morning, and we receive this bread 
and we receive your healing. We receive restoration. So as we partake of this together, Father God, we're doing this as you have commanded us to do. And we're so grateful for the privilege that we have the morning, this morning to come together and partake together. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, we also look at this cup, which represents your blood. You said, this cup is the New Testament in my body. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Your word says in, in the Amphion, similarly when supper was ended, he took the cup also, saying this cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my body. Do this as often as you drink it and call me affectionately to remembrance. So God, this morning in the name of Jesus, Jesus, we hold this cup up to you and we put you in remembrance and ourselves in remembrance of what you've done for us. And we thank you that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. The word of God says that we overcome Satan by the blood, your blood, Jesus, of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your word also said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So as we partake of this, we are partaking, Lord Jesus, and putting ourselves in and you in remembrance of what your blood stands for over our bodies. And so we thank you for this this morning, Jesus, and we partake together and we receive all that this bread and this grape juice was meant to give us. And we receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We rejoice. We rejoice that having spoiled principalities and powers, you made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You went to hell, so we didn't have to, Jesus, and we are so grateful and so very thankful. So all those things that the enemy represents, which is to kill, to steal, and destroy, you came and gave us abundant life. You paid the price for abundant life. And so I thank you, Lord, this morning that as I teach this morning that we will receive that word, that seed that is imparted into us for your glory, for your honor, and we will walk in it. We will walk in it. If there are areas that we need to change 
in our lives, they will be changed. Because how can you partake of communion and not hear the word and say, enough has come and I need to change this area in my life. And so God, I give you the glory in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. God is faithful. You know, T.L. Osborne, many of you know who he is. As far as I was, am concerned, he was one of the greatest um, men of faith that there ever was. And um, he went home to be with the Lord on Valentine's Day. And um, he wasn't sick. There was nothing wrong with him. He just, he just went on to be with Jesus. I think he was 89 or 90, I'm not, 90. He just said, I'm going on to be with Jesus. It's the way to go. No sickness, no disease. I'm just ready to go. And so, you know, when, I, when, we, when we receive communion, I think of that. What a way to go. If you want to look it up on, on the internet, it's um, just look up T.L. Osborne and then his wife or his daughter. His wife went many years. Daisy went many years before him. His daughter printed that there was no sickness, there was no disease, no pain, no meds, no nothing. He just was ready to go home. Hallelujah. As we're finding more and more people in the ministry are doing that right now. Praise you, Father. They know that time is short, and, you know, he could have waited for the rapture, but I think he looked around, looked what's going on, and said, I'm, getting, I'm leaving. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to be teaching this morning. I, w I was shocked that I was going to be teaching on this, but on strife. And um, the way we receive communion, I understand now. Why? <laughs> I have a book by Gloria Copeland that is an excellent, excellent book. If you don't have it, I would definitely add it to my library. It's called Hidden Treasures, Abundant Life, Rich of, Rich of Proverbs, in the Riches of Proverbs. It's actually my favorite book of hers. Uh, most of you know I don't read a lot of books, so if I read a book and I say it's a favorite book, then you know that it has got to be a good book, okay? So I, wanted, I want to um, read a little bit out of what she has to say here um, first. It's on page, we're going to go first to fifth, Proverbs 15, 1 through seven. Take authority over anger in your life. Did you hear what I said? Take authority over anger in your life. What does it say to do with angry men and angry women? Don't have anything to do with them. In other words, run from them. So Proverbs 15 tells us 
that the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord begins instruction in wisdom. Verse 33, the Amplified Version. I want to look at some very important instructions in wisdom found in this chapter regarding in a universal problem yielding to fleshly anger. We think about overcoming anger and other sins of the flesh that keep families in bondage to sin from one generation to the next. I like the way she said that. We, t we talk about overcoming anger and other sins of the flesh that keep families, whole families in bondage to sin from one generation to another. Take authority over anger in your life. God's wisdom tells us how to avoid anger. In verse 1 of chapter, um, what did I tell you again? I'm sorry. Chapter 15 of Proverbs. Sorry about that. I'm reading out of her book now, and so when you, read, when you do that, you really need to give the person... Fifteen one, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Verse 2, the tongue of the wise utters knowledge rightly, but the mouth of a self-confident fool pours out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch upon the evil and the good. That one there, to me, verse 3, is enough to um, give you an awesome reverence of God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. So he's watching everything that we do. Sometimes I think we need to sit back and say, God, were you proud of everything I did today? Because you saw it all. You know, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. A gentle tongue, verse 4, with its healing power is a tree of life. But willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. So, if there is willful contrariness in your tongue, it is breaking down your spirit. That's, that, is, that is, to me, is a, if we need to turn that heater off, because people are going to sleep, go ahead and do it. Because when you think about your tongue being willful contrary to what the Word of God says can break down your spirit, that, to me, is a scary situation right there, okay? So she says that a person who is slow to anger also avoids strife. A person who is hot-tempered, a hot-tempered man, stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger appeases contention, verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger appeases contention. 
Those two scriptures right there provide enough instruction to save you a world of hurt. Verse 2 and 4 in the Amplified Bible show the fruit of an angry man. The tongue of the wise utters knowledge rightly, but the tongue of a self-confident fool pours out folly. A gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life, but willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. You see our words? We can either be a blessing or a curse to people. We have a responsibility to think about what we're about to say before we say it. We have a responsibility to who? To God and to ourselves. Because it's up to me whether I break down my spirit or not. See, I'm, I'm you know, seriously here, when we think about this, we need to think, that's where 2 Corinthians 10, 5 comes in, casting down imaginations and reasonings, because the enemy will try to get you to speak forth something that can totally destroy you and your spirit man. I'm going to be blunt here. That's how demonic spirits get in people's minds and their flesh, is because they don't control things. That's heavy. We are to be in control of our thoughts and words. The mind, in verse 28, the mind of the uncompromisingly righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The mind of the uncompromisingly righteous studies how to answer. That's important because man's wrath never produces God's righteousness. Man's wrath never, never, ever, ever produces God's righteousness. And you know, I've noticed that the more a person listens to tapes and things, my Bible says, or reads the word or whatever, my Bible says that the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. And this is the area that he comes in and steals that word. And what it does, it causes people to have disrespect for you. And so we as believers, especially in this hour that we're in, we must take hold of our thoughts, our mouth, our flesh. Because we're not part of this world. We're in this world, but we are not part of this world. So the mind of the uncompromisingly righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. That's verse 28. That's important because man's wrath never produces God's righteousness. He who foams up quickly, and this is Proverbs 14, 17, and flies into passion, deals foolishly. You know, just because you open your mouth doesn't mean something has to come out. <laughs> there is something between your voice and your brain that can work for you. It's called your heart, your spirit man. 
You can learn to control yourself when, you are, when you're tempted to foam up quickly and fly into a passion. Your spirit can arrest those fleshly angry words before your mouth pours out evil. Many times in, in a family, an uncontrollable temper is passed down from generation to generation. Dad has a bad temper, temper so his son has a bad tum, temper too. Mother has a bad temper, temper <laughs> so her daughter learns the same trait. I've, I've actually seen it come on animals in homes where there's strife. This is really heavy when you, you know, when you think about this. But you don't have to pass on your bad temper to your children, and you don't have to yield it to yourself, speaking out harmful and foolish things you will later regret. Because once it's out, it's, it's out. Once you say it, it's out. You have been, you know, we have, I'll use myself, once I say it, I have been an instrument of the devil to destroy someone. And in many, 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 many people, it takes years and years and years for healing to come. I've seen in many marriages through the years of counseling that it'll start to straighten up and then it'll start over again. And, and, and that wound just, you know, it's just like taking a scab off a wound. Look at children's lives today. They, they have been affected by, or adults today. Let's go to adults today. They have been affected by the families that they lived in, the atmosphere that was in the home. But we don't have to pass it on, and we don't have to receive it. And if it has come on us, today's the day to get rid of it. Hallelujah. You can control your temper, stop and speak to yourself when you're about to pour out folly and anger, command your flesh to line up with God's word in Jesus' name. The devil will try to tell you, well, that's just the way you are. <laughs> that anger is part of your personality, but it isn't true. You have been recreated in Christ. You don't have to allow anger to attach itself to your life any longer. Stop generational sins of the flesh. God's power can put a stop to sins of the flesh that are prevalent in your family and have kept you in bondage in your own life. We've been born, at, born again. Old things have passed away. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Sin has lost its dominion over you. Romans 6.14 you don't have to carry on your family's sinful trait to your children. You can stop every evil tendency with the word of God and in the name of Jesus. Like I said earlier, when we were having communion, we have overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Thank God. You have authority over evil spirits that have followed your family for generations. 
It could be a spirit of alcohol or anger, gambling, stinginess, whatever spirits have harassed your family, take authority over them in your own life. Otherwise, you will pass that sin right on to your children and they will deal with the same problems as they grow into adulthood. How sad. I'm going to put her book down now. Thank God. Thank you, Gloria. Do you ever hear this? Okay. Our nugget today. People do not plan to fail. They just fail to plan. People do not plan to fail. They just fail to plan. This goes along so well with what I already wrote. You can have a plan right now to decide, I will never again allow myself to spew out angry words. I will take this, the word today and I will make it a part of my life. Pride. You know, the actual, the actual root word for strife is pride. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is peace. That's Romans 8, 6. Okay. Let's go ahead and look at this a little bit. What causes strife? Proverbs 13, 10. You say, well, I've heard this before. Well, that's good. Are you walking in it? Don't tell me I got the wrong one. No way. It can't be. 1310. I am so sorry. Only from pride cometh contention. But with the well advised is wisdom. By pride and insolence comes only contention. But with a well-advised is skillful and godly wisdom. Hallelujah. Contention. I'm going to look up the word contention for us right now. I should have looked it up. wasn't planning on teaching this until yesterday morning. My plan and God's plans were two different things. Hallelujah. <laughs> So I guess he knew we needed this. Amen? Because we live in, a, live in a world where there is so much strife. We have a government where there is so much strife. Those that are over us are in strife. <laughs> you say, well, what chance do I have? The word. The word is the only way out of every circumstance and situation. I wasn't planning on ever being on Facebook, but somehow I got on that. I don't know how I did that. Nobody can figure out how I did it. So I decided, okay, if I'm going to be on there, then I'm going to preach on there. So, you know? so um, what was I looking up? I was looking up contention. I don't know why I'm in S. Let's look at this. Nobody can figure out how I got on there, and I can't either. I'm like, great. 
And to get off, you have to ride them. And I'm like, great, all right, then we'll just preach. It's amazing nowadays. Contention, verbal strife, argument, controversy, dispute, quarrel, altercation. I'll, I'll say it again. Verbal strife, argument, controversy, dispute, quarrel, altercation. A statement or point that one argues for as true or valid. Strife, struggle, contest, competition, see conflict and discord. You know one of the six things that God hates? No, seven are an abomination to him. And the seventh one is sowing discord amongst the brethren. Wow. So it says here again, in Proverbs 13, 10, by pride and insolence comes only contention, but with well-advised, with the well-advised is skillful and godly wisdom. I don't care if you spend every day and every night listening to tapes, but if you are ugly-natured and angry, then that doesn't impress me a lot. I'll be real honest. Hatred, um, Proverbs 10, 12. You know, the first step is strife. Then it gets down to hatred. And if you will do me a favor and look up um, the root of bitterness on, you know where that is? Proverbs 10, 12. You were pastor, whoever. I wrote it down, but I didn't put it. Hatred stirs up contentions. Can anybody tell me what contention is again? Loud. I have to do this loud. I got to hear you. Dispute. Dispute. I, I have to do this for those in Oregon, okay? Verbal strife. Arguments. Arguments. Alterations. Altercations, right? Well, they heard the tape, so go back and listen to the tape, Michelle. Just pass, just go backwards. Thank you, Laurel. So look at this, Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up contention, but love, love covers all transgressions. How much do you love? Jesus said, one commandment I leave with you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. You got that? Uh, Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews 12, 15. I'm going to just put this bluntly. 
This should scare the hell out of us. It's okay to say hell. Some people need this. You know, there are certain things that um, we should be fearful of. And that's when God talks about things like strife and discord and contentions and things like that. We should not want any part of it because strife and contention and discord and holiness, they, they don't go hand in hand, church. When I think of be holy as I am holy, I don't think about Jesus ever, ever being in strife and discord and contentious. Hebrews 12, what was it again? 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So you can fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. There is a root of bitterness that gets in a person. Let's look a little bit further here. What was, it? What was that again? 15, right? Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace his unmerited favor and spiritual blessings in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. That is so heavy. He says, exercise foresight. He's telling us today, we need to exercise foresight here, church, and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that one, no one falls back from and fails to secure, to secure God's grace. This root of bitterness can cause you to backslide. I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to be as blunt as I can this morning because... Like I said, the day of the, the night of the election, I looked at pastor and he looked at me and we said, we need to pray. Now, we have been, but now that this has taken place and find out what God has us to teach and do more than any other time to get this church to heaven. I'm putting it bluntly and through what's about to take place. And it's, well, that was back then, the day of the elections. And much has taken place in just a few months. November, December, January, February. Think of how much has taken place. How many promises. I... I a person would have to be an idiot, but if someone lies for that many years, why would you put them in office again? And they're not going to start telling the truth after four years unless they get born again and spirit-filled real fast and read their Bible. How many saw the prayer breakfast? That was real good. How many got to see that? What was that, that doctor's name? Benjamin what? Carson. 
Carson. He, had, he was in a family of 24 kids, and his mom was 13 years old when she started having children. Can you imagine? He was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the, the first neurosurgeon that separated Siamese twins, and he's a believer. You need to listen to that. Matter of fact, I don't know if he's planning on planning on becoming a politician, but he should. Okay, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor, and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. This root of bitterness will cause bitter torment in a person. I've seen it time and time and time and time again in counseling. And they don't want to let go of it. Well, so-and-so said this to me or so-and-so said that. You have a root of bitterness if you cannot forget what someone has done to you and let it go. You might forget it, but shut up and let it go. You know, I could go back to my childhood and, and tell you stories, but I've let it go and used it for God's glory and set people free of what I went through. In the name of Jesus. Not go back and say, why God? And my life was ruined and, you know, your life wasn't ruined. You're sitting here. You know Jesus Christ. You're on the way to heaven. Shouting victory. Hallelujah. Amen. What you went through, God will use that someday if you are willing to open yourself up and minister to others that are going through that right now. I'm being, I'm being honest here. Even a, even a divorce, if you went through a hideous marriage, God can use that if someone comes along that's hurting and you can help that person. Help them out. Like I shared before, when Pastor and I got married, we were starting to have the same problems from, that I had with the first marriage. I thought, well, he wasn't married before and I was, so it has to be me. That, you know, doesn't take too much to figure that one out. In order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. This root of bitterness causes torment. Torment. A person's mind is tormented from this. If you're going through torment in your mind and you cannot get your mind under control, you need to call the office and we need to sit down. I'm saying this very lovingly if you want free of it. You say, well, I don't want my guts spilled out there. You know what? I drive... I would fly, drive, whatever. If I had a situation that I knew that someone could set me free of, I would go wherever, get in whatever line in front of whoever to get rid of it. And that is the truth. Because pride, which causes strife and contention, has got to leave. Amen? And this thing, this root of bitterness 
that is it's deep in families, in people, has got to be rooted out because bitter torment comes and many become contaminated and defiled by it. It just pours out all over everybody that comes in contact with the person. And you, and you know it comes to the place where you don't even want to talk to them. Like, dear Lord, help us. Proverbs 26, 21. Have you ever had someone call? Don't raise your hand, please. You see who it is and you go, oh, brother. And then you have to pray in tongues and bind it all off you before you answer it. That is usually a spirit or a root of bitterness and there's such contention underlining it. And if you all have the guts to tell someone that they have it, I hope you will. Whoops, there she went. Because most people don't know. You know why? Because they lived with it all their life. They lived with it in their homes. They lived with it all their life. They think it's okay to say whatever they want to say. I have my rights. I am free white 21 and I can do whatever I want to do. Talk to God about our rights. Amen. Proverbs 26, 21. Don't you love me? Say, I love you, Pastor Peggy. I'm really glad you, that God gave you this sermon for all of us. It's for every one of us, including Pastor and I. All right. What did I say? 2621. As coals are a burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So where there are contentious men and women around there, and they are sent to kindle strife. Wow. You might work with some. You might have some in your families. I pray to God you're not married to one. If you are, get the anointing oil while they're sleeping and pour it all over them. <laughs> and go, oops. <laughs> As coals are to hot embers and wood is to fire it, so is a quarrelsome man to inflame strife. Quarrelsome. Wow. Let's look at the next one. Uh, did we do hatred yet? Proverbs 10, 12? Okay, that was hatred, by the way. Um, anger, Proverbs 29, 22. Oh boy, this might be a series. Are we ever going to get back to Acts? I keep asking. Was that for last year? You know? All I know is, I don't know about you, but I know this about me. If there's a bunch of junk hanging on and crud there, I want it out. And I want it off. And I don't want any part of it. I don't want it around me. I don't want it on me. And I don't want it in me. Amen? 
29:22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and a man given to anger commits and causes much transgression. Wow. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Look at the next verse. A man's pride will bring him low. What's the root word for strife? But he who is of a, some of a humble spirit will obtain honor. So this person that has pride is not going to obtain honor. Pride or, or contention or whatever, they're not going to obtain honor. They run around confessing. I have honor, I have honor, I have an honor. But if they're not willing to get rid of this stuff, it's not going to happen. we got to wise it up, folks. You know, a lot of people say, well, curse causeless cannot come. <laughs> well, let's look at some of these. We've gone over a few that can open up the door. Amen. The Bible does say that. But that means there is a straight and narrow path that God's expecting us. To, and people, I've heard people say, we're under the new covenant. What did you do? Rip out the Old Testament of your Bible? That means then you ripped out Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You ripped it out with the rest, with the Old Testament. Because that was still under the Old Covenant. Okay? I've heard people tell me, I just read the words of Jesus. I've heard everything that in the world that you could imagine. Foolish questions. Let's see what foolish questions. I had one person one time, all they could do was ask, why, why, why? I wanted to kill them. I felt, I felt really bad for their wife. I think she wanted to kill him too. For everything God has created is good and nothing is to be thrown away. Or, what, that's not it. First, what is it? What did I say? Six, four. I'm so sorry, church. He is puffed up with pride and stupefied with conceit. Although he is woefully ignorant, he has a morbid fondness for controversy and disputes and strife about words which result and produce envy and jealousy, quarrels and dissensions, abuse, insults and slander, and abase suspicions. I am in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 4. Now let's read it. Do you all like that one? It says in the regular one, but godliness without contention is great gain. But in the Amplified, no, I'm not even there yet. Where, what did I say? 6-4. Sorry about that. He who is proud, knowing nothing but doing about questions and strifes of words, wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. He is puffed up with pride and stupefied with conceit, although he is woefully ignorant 
He has a morbid fondness for controversy and disputes and strife about words which result in produce envy and jealousy, quarrels and dissensions, abuse and insults and slander and base suspicion. These people are very suspicious. So that one is Foolish Questions, James 3.16. What about this? What about this? What about this? You want to go shut up. I remember one time had this person that was like this and finally they're standing at my window of the car and I said, get out. I know this is really bad. Get out of my window. And I rolled it up and drove off. You know, if I ever get to that point, Three sixteen. <laughs> For where there ever, wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Wow! Does that sound like anybody you know? You know, a lot of times people wonder, this is the sad thing, and they think there's something wrong with me because I feel this way. You know, when I'm around this person and they feel guilty and the enemy just, you know, rides them for this, well, read what the Word says. I mean, Jesus tells us these things to protect ourselves in both ways. If you have a problem in you, then you need to get rid of it. If there's a problem in someone else, then you need to get rid of them. Or at least... <laughs> I'm not talking the Second Amendment, okay, folks, here. <laughs> Stop the conversation. Tell them. Have the decency to tell them. I don't like being around you because of this. Be honest. Don't go tell someone else. Tell them. Trust me, I'll tell you. You might not like it, but I'll tell you. Because I'm not going to gossip. I'm going to tell you. For where there is, wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry and jealous ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, undefiled, that is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial, unfringed, free from doubts, wavering, and insecurity. I've had people come up in the line for the same thing over and over and over. And God never changes what he tells me because they haven't done what he said to do. I'd like to give them a big, long, old, great word, you know, but it's always back to, did you do blah, blah? Go to him instead. the truth. 
James 3, 13 through 18. Let's go ahead and look at that. We just we looked at some of it, right? Who there among you is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with an unobtrusive humility, which is the proper attitude of a wise, of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, envy and contention, rivalry, serious ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourself on it and thus be in defiance of the faults to the truth. This is superficial wisdom, is not such as comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, animal, and evil, devilish, demonical. Well, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Then he goes on, wherever there's jealousy and envy and contention, rivalry, self-ambition, there is also confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, all sorts of evil and vile practices. Wow. Then he goes, we, we went ahead and did the, did we do 17? Yes. 18. And the harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will, in thought and deed. So there's a harvest of righteousness when you are in of conformity to God's will in thought and deed. So we have got to conform over to what is God's will in thought and deed. You know, you've been thinking this way, you've got to conform over to God's will in thought and deed. You understand what I'm trying to say here? You've got to decide the day, you, the day I got saved, I'm, I'll go back there. The day I got saved, right before that, I thought about it for a long time. Because I knew, if I do this, this is for life. Okay? And so I wanted to know everything that was expected of me if I was going to get born again. Right? That makes sense. If you're going to give your life over. Because I'll be honest with you, my old life liked to party. My old life liked to do a lot of those things that the world does. But I also knew that there was a, within that year, I was going to die. I knew it in my heart. I knew it. Past pastor, I'd get drunk and tell people I'm going to die within a year. I did. I died to flesh. I received Jesus instead. Thank God. Or I would be in hell this day. I know that. I know it as well as I sit here. And I even knew where it was going to happen. Say, oh boy, you are weird. No, I think God tells people things like that. I didn't bring the letter from the, the, um, one of the missionaries that we're going to start supporting. But to the best of my ability, I'm going to tell you what it said. It was about youth. And it was in, where are they? And they're not in Colombia, but they are in Panama, if I'm not mistaken. Now listen up to this because we're going to start supporting this ministry, missionaries, for the youth's sake in this church, in this community, okay? To me, if you want change to be, to take place, then you start supporting or putting your money towards what you see is working. So anyway, they, because of the drugs that are so prevalent there, they had... Was it 17 trailers? What, what was it? Silos. Sil what were they? Silos. Silos. What are those? 
where they keep the grain. Full of cocaine, I believe it was. And so in this country, the, those countries, the devil had been coming to the youth and telling them, if you will sell yourself out to me, I will cause you to become prosperous. I will cause you to be rich. I will cause you to have everything that you want. Let me tell you, kids, that's what the devil tells you because you're at an age right now where you want, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that, but you just want it and you don't want anybody, you don't want to work for it, okay? I'm going to be honest. As a teenager, I heard an evangelist say one time, if you could freeze them till they're 20-something, then, you know. But that's the way, they're, they're, they're selfish. I don't, I'm going to be blunt. I've already raised three of them, so I know all about this. And uh, you don't give them everything they want. But this is what the devil will come and tell people. You, sell your, you give yourself over to me, you sell yourself over to me, and I'll give you this stuff. Well, one girl did it, and she went absolutely crazy. Demons entered her. She had been born again, baptized as a child, and she literally went nuts. Nobody could help her. Until Jesus appeared to her, and told her, if you want free of this, God appeared to her and said, if you want free of this, you need to give all this up and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. And she did. The next one, she did the same thing. And the demons entered her. And she had an a uncle or a cousin come to visit. You're probably going to have to help me with this. And he told her, I'll, bring, I'll try to bring the letter next week because we are going to be supporting them. Pick up a machete and kill him. The spirits told her that. God appeared to her. Said, don't do it. Receive me as, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to be paraphrasing this because I don't have it in front of me. She dropped the machete, received the Lord, and now they're both going out preaching the gospel. They said when they had a meeting in that town, People were so solemn hearing this because they knew the lifestyles of those girls. See what can happen when God gets on the scene in people's lives? Hallelujah. He wants our youth. Anytime there's going to be a revival, the enemy goes after the youth. So, church, we're going to start supporting them. So, foolish questions. We need to stay out of strife. Okay, I'm going to go into my husband's notes here for a second. And we will end on his. I think I pretty much did what you have here. Isaiah 32, 17. I don't have that one. How many learned something today? You know, the enemy will try to come and tell you, you know, because you feel bad or guilty because you don't want to be around someone because of the way they act, that it's you. Thirty-two seventeen of Isaiah. Or at work. I'll tell you, a couple weeks ago, I spent two or three days out in the world, and I was like, I came home, and this is how I felt. I, I, I thought, 
thank God I don't have to be out there amongst these people all the time because it would be extremely hard to try to get the messages from God that I need to get to for you, for all of you. You, un you understand? That's why they said, you know, the ministers need to have the time to pray and seek the word of God. And it was nothing back there like it is now. And, I, and I, my, my desire, my prayer for, for all of you is, God, help them to build themselves up in, in the word of God so much they are able to be a light in this world and not affected by it. Because it, it is affecting. You, can, you go out there, just, just drive your, just go from the one end of Broadway all the way down. You'll have people flipping you off. They'll uh, be angry. <laughs> There'll be road rage. You go in a store and people are angry if someone gets in front of them. If someone pulls out their coupons. You even have a tendency to start get, get a little upset. Hey, I'm in a hurry. What, you understand what I'm saying? So look at this one. Proverbs 32, 17. This happens to pastor a lot. He'll get in a line and then they pull out all the coupons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Am I correct, sweetie? <laughs> and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effective, the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. This is what God wants your home to be like. This is exactly your home. God doesn't want your home full of confusion, full of strife, full of discord, full of what he doesn't. He wants you to be able to dwell in a peaceful habitation, in sure dwellings, and quiet resting places. So, what that tells me is Let's go to 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and insurance forever, forever and ever and ever. It says in the Amplified, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. Quietness. People have asked me before, what do, you, what, do you, what do you do when you feel anxiety or, or stuff try to come on you? I'll be honest, what I do, I go find a very quiet place. I don't care. Even when I worked, was at work, I would go find, I'd go in the bathroom. I'd go find a quiet place. I, I do work. I call this, this is work, believe me. I find a quiet place. I, I lean back, I close my eyes, and I just sit in the presence of God and allow the Spirit of God to just fill 
I mean, from the inside out, you can just feel that peace and it starts just coming up inside of you. And then I start praying in tongues. And you don't have to be loud, you know, in the bathroom, if you're in the bathroom at work, you know. But I just start praying in tongues. If I'm in the car, I have literally been known to go park somewhere off the road and just park, lock my doors, kick my seat back, put my head back, and just get in the presence of God. It's not going to do you any good unless you do that. Not. Some of you have, well, all of you have very strenuous, might be emotionally, might be physical, whatever, might be both, jobs. You need to do this. And if you've had a stressful, strifeful day, stand it. Get out of your car, or before you get home, whatever, get out of your car, bind it off of you. If you've partaken in any of it, and you haven't yet confessed it before God, confess it before God, and don't take it in the house. I'm being honest. Say, well, I'm single. Don't take it in the house. Because he wants us to have peaceful habitations and sure dwellings. And whatever you have to do to make that that way, do it. Praise God. Let's go ahead, ushers, and receive this morning's tithes and offering. Honey, remind me to bring that letter next week because I thought that was so powerful. You know, we concern ourselves so much about our loved ones that are not serving God. Here's two girls that were given over to drugs. Here they are, given over to drugs. And God himself appears to him. If he did it for them, he can do it for your family. And he will. He will. Like I told you before, my mom was on her deathbed and the hospice nurse said, right before she went into the coma, she started crying out to God and she said, and she, she was a Pentecostal preacher, and she said, that was the most powerful anointing I have ever felt. I cannot wait to get to heaven to hear what God did to her. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Terry, would you pray over the tithes and offerings today. Father, our tithes and offerings we bring before you. We thank you, Father God, that we have a covenant relationship with you, Father God, and that your blessing is upon every seed that we sow. Our obedience, Father God, in bringing the tithes to your storehouse. We thank you, Father God, that the windows of heaven are open. And you pour out blessings upon your people such as they cannot contain it, Lord. We thank you that we can call for the harvest to come in for every seed that we have named and we have sown, Father God. We thank you for the multiplication and the increase to Amen. This coming Friday night is video night and family, video and dinner family night. We have so many videos right now that we want to get into you that I don't know if we're going to show the new minister's convention. 
I don't know if we're, I don't know, you know, I just ordered a, two series from Charles Neiman, who is my favorite teacher. I, I have, Pastor and I, we're going to have to pray and he's going to have to come to a decision. But there are so many of them that we need to get into you to fill you up to where you are. so on fire and the power of God is working through you so mightily that you're in the position where man shall give into your bosom or that give and it shall be given back to you pressed down shaken together running over shall man give it back to you or the windows of heaven have opened up where there's not enough room to contain it we have so much right now to, that God wants to put into you that I don't know how many of these we're going to do on a night, but we all like the fellowship, so we're going to do dinner and then the video. and Or we'll do dinner and then the video. It's at 6.30 Friday night at the church. Don't miss it because every one of these are powerful. I can't tell you how powerful. You say another night at church? Yeah. You know, right before Jesus comes, you never know. We might have every night. At, how many remember? Three and a half months every night, but Sunday night, what God did. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that I love you all, and you took this sermon well. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you are preparing something like this, the enemy tries to come in immediately and steal it from you. So if strife tries to come knocking at your door this week, no. That's the enemy trying to come immediately to steal the word from me. And I'm not going to have it. Because the fruits of righteousness are worth much more to me than this. Amen? If you have ought against someone, let it go unless you have the guts to go over there and talk to them about it, which you're supposed to, and deal with it. First, you take someone with you. I mean, if you, if you really feel this, and if they won't listen, well, first you go alone, or what is it? You take someone and then you go, or what do you do? can't remember. You go to them first. They slam the door in your face and you take someone else. That's if they're in this church. If they're in this church, which I don't think any of you have any ought, but seriously, if you if you got a problem with someone, you need to tell them this rather than then rather than it causing a root of bitterness in you. I'm not going to hell for somebody, I will tell you. Jesus did that. So if you got problems with someone, you need to deal with it. And if you don't have the guts to do that, then zip your lip and don't talk about them anymore. Amen? Bury it. Dig a hole. Go out and dig a hole. Say, I'm dumping this in it. Close it. Put a cross on it or whatever and say, I refuse to talk about this anymore. Amen? You might have little crosses all over your backyard or something. But... <laughs> Do what you got to do. Our dog, our backyard is a dog and cat burial ground. 
Everywhere I look, I see old animals we had. But I'm serious. Get rid of it today. You can do it. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word that has gone forth. I thank you we are a family. I, I pray for those that are in Oregon when they hear this tape. I thank you that we are all obedient and we will be doers of the word and not hearers only. And if there is a root of bitterness, we are going to dig that thing out and not let those roots go any deeper. And I just pray, Father God, for each person in the sound of my voice that there is going to be a revival that takes place in their life, in their heart, supernaturally, in Jesus' name, amen. And this was Mission Funding Sunday. Mission Fund Sunday. So if you have your mission fund that you need to give, go ahead and, um, Terry, put the bucket on the, on the thing out there. I didn't read that. God bless you, and go rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. How many know what a sheave is? Pardon? Pardon? Stacks of paper. And what did we bring stacks of paper for? Listen to what he's saying. He's saying it could represent money. It could be finances. It could be names of people that you led to the Lord. Go rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Hallelujah. Turn me off because I'm going to undo this.